Hello, everyone. It's really good to be in worship with you today and starting to see some new faces come around, too. I haven't seen in a while, so glad to have you back. For those of you worshiping with us online, we're delighted that you're part of our worship today. I hope all of us came prepared today to receive some encouragement from God's Word. So I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, Ezekiel. It'd be nice if you knew what I'm talking about today, but Ezekiel 47, verse 1 through 12. We're going to look at this vision that Ezekiel has of this water that flows into a mighty deep river that wherever it goes, it brings abundance and life. So our title for today, the lesson is, Where the Deep Waters Flow. Where the Deep Waters Flow. Now, my family has always enjoyed being around water. And so at a very early age, we always took our kids to swimming lessons to make sure that they could learn how to enjoy being in the water and also being safe. And they were always excited when they were able to uh, get those swimming lessons and move from the shallow end to the deep end. I was talking to my daughter, Sarah, about that yesterday, and she reminded me of a story that I had completely forgotten. She said that when Chase, our youngest son, was taking swimming lessons, he had a hard time learning how to dive off the end of it and getting his confidence to do that. Sarah, she said she's around eight years old or so, uh, was in her street clothes, and she's by the pool, and she's trying to teach Chase how to do that. And she says, you do it like this, and she's showing him. She said, I started leaning in too much, lost my balance, and she fell into the pool, clothes and all, all right? <laughs> uh, street clothes and all, and it was really embarrassing to her. Time has passed by now, and two of our grandsons this summer got their YMCA wristband. They're so excited because now those two, Clayton and Judah, can join their older uh, our older grandsons, Micah and Jack, in the deep end of the pool and enjoy it as well. So as we're going to see from our story in Ezekiel today, God is calling us to where the deep waters flow. Uh, don't be content with the trickle of faith. Don't be content with an ankle waiting faith. Don't be content just treading the water waist deep. Rather, let the Holy Spirit move you into the deeper flow of the river of faith. And this is what we're going to learn from Ezekiel. We just sung that song, Oceans, one of my favorite all-time songs. I told David my lesson this week, and, and I was talking about how this song had inspired me while I was reading Ezekiel 47, and I just thought about it, and I was so glad he was able to find this song and that we're able to sing this today together. There's so much about the words that are here that just strike me, and I can't recite all the words, but here's some of those lyrics that really capture my attention. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where my feet may fail. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. So I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. Take me deeper than my faith could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I thought it was powerful lyrics. And if you've never heard that song, you might want to look it up. Just every lyric in there is just so powerful about being called to the deeper waters, the flow of the deeper waters. See, we decide how we want to live. And I don't think any one of us want to live by strictly our feelings. But we need to decide we're going to live by who we know. And who is it that we know? We know God, don't we? We know that God is in control. We know that God, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We know that God is greater than any other power on this earth. So the next time you feel discouraged or disappointed or you're 
filled with those negative emotions, would you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you where the deeper waters flow? Because that's where you're going to find the peace of God. Today, perhaps even you, there are many who are finding that very difficult to do. Certainly that was the case with Ezekiel. Ezekiel Ezekiel was going through an incredibly tough time, wasn't he? If you know the story, Ezekiel and thousands of people like him were taken out of the city of Jerusalem because Jerusalem had been captured and conquered by the Babylonians. Ezekiel and a host of people were forced to live in exile along a riverbank. And during that time living along the the riverbank, God begins to give Ezekiel these visions. And the first vision that he receives is the vision of the Holy Spirit leaving the temple of God. The next vision that he receives is the destruction of that temple. Can you imagine that? And having to share those visions with the people in exile of what's taking place. And then 25 years pass when it seems like it's hopeless, when it seems like nothing's going to happen, and God then sends this angel that looks like a, like a bronze man with a measuring rod, and he begins to give these visions to Ezekiel. And he gives him the first vision that the Holy Spirit will return to the temple. And the next vision is of the temple being rebuilt. And so he, He's taken to the highest mountain, one of the highest mountains in Israel, and given these visions by this angel. But in the midst of that, the angel then tells Ezekiel the following things. He says, here's what I want you to do. Look carefully, listen closely, and pay attention to everything I'm going to show you, for that is why I brought you here. Tell the people of Israel everything that you see. The angel is leading Ezekiel into the deep waters of faith, isn't he? Leading them where they do not know where to go. This vision, after 25 years, must have been just so overwhelming to the people. How in the world is that possible? How hard it must have been for those people to really believe the visions that Ezekiel's been given. How tempting it would have been for Ezekiel to kind of not share those because it just seems so unbelievable, right? So that's why the angel says, I want you to look. I want you to pay a close attention. I want you to listen closely. I want you to know that God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. I want you to realize that God is at work. And you need to tell the people every single thing you've seen. Because it will give them hope. And it will lead them to where the deeper waters flow. We all need that, don't we? We all need that when it comes to our life. Peter said this to us in 2 Peter verse 119. He said, here's how we need to view prophecy in the Bible. And I think this will help us when we're looking at Ezekiel today as well. We're more confident of this message proclaimed by the prophets. You will do well to do what? Pay attention to it. Because it's like a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the light of the morning star shines in your hearts. So I hope that this lesson today, for some of you, will be exactly what you needed. That from this prophecy of Ezekiel and from the other scriptures that we'll share today, that you will find it to be that light that will shine in that dark place you're in right now. And to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to the deep waters where God is and His Spirit is. Uh, Let's pick up our story. Let's talk about that story in Ezekiel 47. Here's the vision that he had. Ezekiel looks and he sees a small amount of water 
under the threshold of the south side of the temple near the altar. And that little bit of water now becomes a trickle out of the temple. The angel has Ezekiel follow it. And then the angel begins to measure. And the, me the angel measures 1,700 feet. And now the water he leads him to ankle deep. And Ezekiel walks in that ankle deep water. Next, the angel measures another 1,700 feet. And this time Ezekiel walks in the water that is knee deep. Then the angel measures the water again, another 1,700 feet, and this time the angel leads Ezekiel into the waist-deep water. Again, the angel of the Lord, now, the angel rather, leads, measures off 1,700 feet, and this time the water is so deep, the river is so uncrossable that Ezekiel cannot stand in it. He could only swim in it. But the current is so strong, he could never get to the other side of the riverbank. To which the angel then takes Ezekiel, puts him on the riverbank, and says, What do you see? What do you see? And what Ezekiel sees as he looks down at that deep river flowing is there's life everywhere. A desert that now has life. The deep dead sea full of death is now filled with life and creatures who come to life. Fishermen are on the shores and they're casting their nets and all different kinds of fish are being gathered. Ezekiel finally looks and he sees along the riverbanks all these fruit trees that are bearing fruit every month of the season, every month in every season. And the leaves never wither. They're used for healing of the, of the nations. Now how overwhelming was that picture to Ezekiel and the people of the time? Can you imagine that? It's so much different than the reality that they've experienced for the last 25 years in exile, right? You know, sometimes scriptures are like that for us, aren't they? They're just like that. Where they just seem so, I hear and I see what the scriptures are saying, but it's just so different from my current situation and it's so hard to relate to. Have you ever gone to, to worship, maybe even today, and heard a sermon and the message just seems so far removed from where you are that it almost depresses you. I've been there. I know that. I think sometimes it just sounds so overly optimistic. It just seems so over the top. It seems so unrealistic. Why is that? It's from the Word of God. It's because my natural spirit's crying out. My spirit's crying out. That, that, that's just too hard to put faith in. It just seems unbelievable. It's just so much different from the experience that I'm having right now. So what I want to ask you today is stick with me, all right? Just stay in Ezekiel. And I'm telling you that it's going to seem so over the top maybe at times for you today. It's going to seem just so unrealistic. But this is the Spirit talking to you who's asking you if you will let him lead you into the deeper waters of faith in God. Here's a story. Now keep in mind... What Ezekiel sees never, ever happened. Never, ever happened in the temple. The source of this river is what we want to look at first. The source, the water is coming out from under the temple threshold. This little trickle of water that becomes this deep, uncrossable river. Never in the history of Israel has a river ever flown from the temple. It didn't happen in the first temple. It didn't happen in the second temple. 
which has led people to believe, oh, he must be talking about here eternal life. The new heaven, the new earth, the new city of Jerusalem with the temple in it. Well, I believe that we need to let scriptures interpret scripture, right? So let's turn to Revelation 21, 22. That's a picture of the new city, the new heaven, the new earth. And I want you to notice what scripture says about the temple. I did not what? I don't see a temple in the city. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. This temple that Ezekiel sees is not in heaven. It's not in the new city. There is no temple there. So if Ezekiel is not having a vision of heaven, then it's a vision about here. So why does Ezekiel have this vision of this little trickle of water becoming a deep, uncrossable river that brings forth life and abundance? I think about the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm sure all of you know what that Feast of Tabernacles was about. But it's, it's an eight day from Sabbath to Sabbath feast that the Jews celebrated. And on those eight days, there were four major things that they did during the celebration. Number one, they all lived in booths, temporary dwelling places. To remind them of the time when the people were, were in the exodus that left Egypt. And that's how they lived in the land they were going to. This represented to them that God was their deliverer. The second thing that they would do during that eight-day festival from Sabbath to Sabbath was that they had gathered in the court of women. The gates were open and all the people would flood into the court of women. And the priests wearing old clothes would climb up these big ladders to light these huge four giant lampstands. These four giant lights. It represented the presence of God. That God is light. He never leaves them. The third thing they did in the festival of tabernacles was that they offered more animal sacrifices and offerings than they ever offered in the entire year, even more than the Passover. The amount was really, really large. But what was interesting is that the number of sacrifices and offerings commanded were divisible by seven. Now, if you know the Hebrews, the number seven represented perfection and completion. That God perfectly and completely forgives us of our sins. All right? On the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, they did the fourth thing. The people would follow the priest to the pool of Shalom, where the priest would take the water out of the pool, walk to the south side of the temple, and pour the water on the altar, representing life. Representing life. So in that eight-day period, Feast of Tabernacles, every year, they remembered God. God is the source of their deliverance. God is the one whose presence never leaves them. God perfectly and completely forgives them of their sins. And God is the source of life. He's where the deep waters flow. That's why during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would quote from Isaiah 12, verse 3, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Now, remember in the vision of Ezekiel, going back there to verse 2, where did the water come out of? The water came out of the south side of the temple near the altar. The source of this water is in the temple. The source of this water is Jesus. It's no coincidence that Jesus 
in this Feast of Tabernacles goes there to teach during that eight-day period. It's no coincidence that on the greatest day of all, when they do the fourth thing of drawing up the water and pouring on the altar, that that's when Jesus tells the group, verse 38, whoever believes in me as what? Scriptures say, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the what? Spirit. Jesus is the source. Holy Spirit's that river that flows in the temple, and it flows for us. I remember when Jesus met with a Samaritan woman and they had that conversation, the woman at the well, and he says there, the water he gives will become in us a spring of water welling up in eternal life. So this angel, after all this water's there, it turns from a trickle to this deep, uncrossable river. The angel says to Ezekiel, what do you see? And so that's the first thing I want to point out, that the deep waters of God lead us to revival of our sight. This is what happened to Ezekiel. He had the flowing towards revival of sight. Notice these two verses in Ezekiel 47. He saw the water coming out of the temple. And then after he sees that deep uncrossable river that comes from that little trickle of water, the angel asked him, what do you see? Now, what did he mean by that? He wanted to know, Ezekiel, has this opened your eyes? Has this changed your whole perspective? Are you really seeing what's in front of you? Do you know what it means? What Ezekiel sees is exactly what God wants us to see. That the deep waters of the river of faith flow towards us and bring revival to our sight. We have a different perspective. We hear by faith, right? We see by faith. And we walk by faith. And Jesus says, we're not like the ones who have ears and don't hear. We're not like the ones who have eyes and don't see. Rather, we are to pray for our eyes to be opened up to see God's work on display. So turn to Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Let's look at the life of Paul for just a moment. You remember the story of Paul. Paul was the one who was against Jesus who did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He's on the road to Damascus to persecute him. Remember? On the road, he has an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus blinds Paul physically for three days. Paul realizes that he has been blind to the truth of who Jesus is. The scales fall off his eyes. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized, and Jesus gives Paul this ministry. And here's the words that Jesus tells Paul about his ministry. You're going to do what? Open their eyes. The deep water flows when there's revival of sight. Open their eyes and turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul needed his sight revived, didn't he? He needed that. Ezekiel needed a new perspective. How about you? Do you need a new perspective on life? Do you need a revival of your eyes? The angel moves towards Ezekiel to open his eyes to see the great things that God can do. How that deep river flows and brings life. Now notice what takes place. Notice what happens. The angel leads Ezekiel from the ankle deep water, right? Then he leads him into the knee deep water. Then he leads him into the waist deep water. Then he leads him to where? To the bank When the water is too deep to walk in, you have to swim in. Now, there's a pattern there. 
Notice each time the angel measures, the angel leads, Ezekiel follows. Hear that? So the angel does what? Measures. The angel leads, and Ezekiel follows. That's the pattern that we do when we walk into the deep waters of faith that God has for us. I like that. When we see by faith, when we hear by faith, when we walk by faith, it's a life that's measured out for us, being led by the Spirit and walking with the Spirit. In the Scriptures, here's the way it's decided for us, how that measurement looks. The Holy Spirit inspires us through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit illuminates for us the Word of God. The Holy Spirit, notice, He's the one who interprets the Word of God for us. And the Holy Spirit's the one who makes intercession for us. Isn't that beautiful? The leading, the measuring into the deeper waters of faith that God has called you into to have your eyes opened up. That's why in Romans 8, verse 27, the great promise is that the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So I believe that this vision that Ezekiel has begins with him seeing with a new set of eyes. What do you see? And what he sees is now that he sees this water in Ezekiel 47, verse 6, it's so deep and so uncrossable, he sees that he is totally dependent upon God in a river like that. You can only walk so far, right? But you got to swim, but you got to be totally dependable upon God. For a while, Ezekiel can walk ankle deep, he can walk knee deep, he can walk a little bit roughly waist deep, right? But have you ever tried to walk into water that's getting higher than that? Your feet will fail you, won't they? Because of the current and the water that's there. You see, God wants us to realize that a faith where the deep water flows means that you learn to totally depend upon God. You cannot do it on your own. And the Spirit of God is leading you into that deeper water of faith. So what you need there is spiritual sight. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to see how this, Paul, will connect this to this idea of revival of sight, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 10, and verse 12. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. See, that's the uncrossable river. God has prepared for these things for those who love him. God has revealed, so there's revival of sight. These things, what things? The uncrossable river that you can't cross on your own through the Spirit. The Spirit searches everything. That's the measuring, including the depths of God. That's the deep river flowing. But God has given us His Spirit. He's leading us. That's why we don't think the same way that people of the world think. Our perspective, your perspective has changed. That's why we can recognize, revival of sight, the blessings that God has given you. And you see, God is always wanting to lead you where those deep waters flow. Whether you're in ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, God's leading you to the deeper waters to learn to totally trust on Him. And He'll never fail you. Philippians 1 verse 6, don't you love this verse? Be confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Now, I love this vision that Ezekiel's been given about this deep river. It's deep and wide and uncrossable, right? It starts as a little trickle, just there, trickle. Deep, uncrossable river. God is unstoppable. God's power is unstoppable. Nothing can stop the work of God. Amen? 
That this is the unstoppable God. It cannot be stopped. And this is what it's saying. It reminds me so much of what Jesus says about the church. I'll build my church, Matthew, and the gates of hell will cannot, cannot prevail against it. Cannot come against it. The church is forever. The church is the deep flow of God. The church can never stop. The church always brings life. That's why Paul tells us how we should speak in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. And in verse 14, he says, look, we speak words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So this week, when you get discouraged and you get down and you think evil's winning and life will never be the same again and life will be never normal again, quit speaking those words. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And you speak the deep words of the river that flows. You speak the words of spiritual reality that my God is never defeated, that my God's church is always, always victorious, that he will never be defeated, that he will never lose. And while it may seem like it's winning, I'm speaking the spirit words, the reality of the spirit words into this existence that I'm in. Amen? This is what he calls us to do. Nothing can stop the flow of the deep river of God that brings revival to our sight. But also this deep river brings transformation of life, doesn't it? This transformation of life that's here. It says, look, Ezekiel sees the deep waters. And wherever those waters go, life springs up. Life springs up. Life is transformed. God told Isaiah in Isaiah 44 verse 3, I'll pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. He makes a comparison here. I can turn the deserts into streams. That's what he's saying. I can take a dry and parched land and I can make it healthy again through the water that I give. But what he's really telling us here is the way he can do that with the real physical land is that he will pour out his spirit on your offspring. Who's the offspring? You are. The church is that offspring. The Spirit's poured out on us. We need the deep waters of the Holy Spirit poured out on us because we're thirsty and parched. David compares it to something else in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, he says what? As a deer pants for water, so my soul pants after you. Ezekiel has this vision of the deep water flowing into the desert, and desert is transformed, life comes out of that parched, thirsty land. You know, the parching of life is so difficult. It's so hard to overcome. Only God can quench that thirst. Only God can quench certain things in life that no one else can. I think about the woman at the well again, which we looked at earlier in that encounter. Look at the life of her in John 4. Jesus said, if you would just ask me for the, for the water that I give, you would never have to come to this well again. Remember that? Wasn't her life parched because of her sin, because of her decisions, because of her relationships? She realized she thirsts for something more in life that nothing could ever, anything could ever give her or no person on this earth could ever give her. Her life was so thirsty that needed to be quenched. So she said what we all need to say to Jesus as Savior. Sir, give me this water so I'll never be thirsty again. You see, the water of God quenches our thirst. It's like the desert that now is made alive. 
As we talked earlier, on that last day of the festival, Jesus stood up before them. When they're pouring out the water to represent life, remember we said that earlier, the fourth thing they do, the drawing of the water? It says that Jesus actually shouted these words out. Cried, shouted them with a booming voice, Larry, had your voice. That day. So everybody could hear it. In that midst, when they're drawing the water, what it means that God is the source of that life water, Jesus says, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He is that life-transforming drink. And I want those deep waters of faith to move in your life. So wherever you feel dry and parched and thirsty, let Jesus be the one that will quench that. That deep river not only moved into the desert, it went to the Dead Sea, one of the lowest areas on earth. That deep, dead sea. Do you know why it's called the Dead Sea, incidentally? Because it's dead. <laughs> it's not that difficult. <laughs> it's not a hidden Greek word. There's no life that's in it because of the toxicity and the saltiness of it. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. And yet this big, deep river flowing from God flows into that deathful, huge hole, fills it with fresh water, and creatures begin to live where there was death. Creatures begin to live where there's death. Every human on this planet, every single one of us here in this room today, know what it's like to have a spiritual death. Knows what it's like to be spiritually dead. Jesus Christ is the only human that never experienced that. We all need the transforming power of the deep waters of salvation to turn our spiritual deadness into eternal life. And that's what Ezekiel visions. That's what his vision's all about. God can take what is dead and bring it to life. How do I know that? Ephesians 2, 4 and following. God, who's rich in mercy, did what? What did he do? Made you alive with Christ, even when you were what? Dead in your transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Wherever the gospel is preached, life comes to those who are thirsty. Wherever the gospel is preached, life comes to those who are spiritually dead. And I love Ezekiel 47, 8 through 9, who's on the shoreline where that Dead Sea used to be. Where there was no life, creatures living there. The fishermen are along the shorelines casting their nets and drawing in all different kinds of fish. Where there used to be death, there's life catching a wide variety. The nets are full and the variety of fish is great. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all who are weary and thirsty. As if in a dry and parched land. The gospel of Christ is for all those who are spiritually dead in their trespasses and sin. And God, who's rich in his mercy, just like those fish of many kinds, extends his grace and his mercy and his salvation to every single human. And just like those fish, we all differ, don't we? We all differ. We have different needs and different backgrounds and different races and cultures and nationalities. But though we differ in many ways, we all have to be transformed by the same Savior. By the same Savior. And we're transformed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those fishermen are casting the nets and they're bringing in that variety of fish. You know what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew? In Matthew he said, follow me and I'll do what? I'll make you fishers of men. You know what he told us to do? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. 
He wants us to be the people spreading the net of the gospels along the riverbank so that people can experience the deep flow of the river that transforms their life from death to life. In Matthew 13, Jesus told this parable of the nets. And he said, look, the kingdom of heaven is like when the fishermen take the net and they let it down to the lake and they catch all kinds of fish. It's evangelism. The deep waters flow towards revival of our sight and it, it flows through transformation of life. And just one other thought, and I'll leave it here. The deep rivers flow to that abundant grace of God. Ezekiel looks and he sees along the riverbanks all different kinds of fruit trees, doesn't he? A variety of fruit trees that always are bearing fruit. The leaves never wither and the leaves are used for healing the nations and the, food, and the fruit is used for food. The abundance of God's grace is found in the deep river that flows from Jesus. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came to give life, life that is abundantly full and good. Do you believe that? Hold on to that. Deep waters lead us to the abundant grace of God. Paul recognized this. He tells Timothy in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 14 through 17, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, see there's a deep waters, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He's our source of salvation, of whom I'm the worst. But that very reason I was shown mercy, there's the healing, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. We're those fish of many kinds gathered in his net. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And the church says, amen. The deep waters flow to the abundant grace of God. So I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of God. 